You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome for another issue of Imagine If. We're here with issue 153, and we're talking about the Joker. The Joker. (laughs) That's right, sonny boy. Uncle Jack's in the house. (laughs) I know all this laughing hurts. It just, I'm I'm here to have a good time and just looking. For those of you audio listeners, because that's what this is, it's an audio podcast, there are a lot of Joker toys on the table, and there's a lot of pictures of the Joker that I'm looking at, and it's, it's disconcerting, but it fills me with this joy. What? So, so the, uh, as I, I assume a lot of people that would be listening to this podcast went out and watched the Joker, or I'm sorry, Joker this weekend Joker. with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, we have uh, our cast of characters here to talk about it. So, Chris? Yes, yes. We're going we're gonna to talk about some Joker, or as I like to call it, the sad clown who had two bad weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Joining Dude. us, as always, is uh, Rafa. Hello, everybody. I'm very excited to talk about this movie called El Joker. <laughs> and frequent guest on the podcast, Sam. Hello, everybody. All right. So we got, I assume, many opinions about the movie and uh, the iterations of the Joker as he's been portrayed, written, drawn throughout the history. Even when he put out his country album. Even when he put out his country album or he tried to put out that uh, joke farm rock album, but as a different name. Yep. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Garth Brooks. <laughs> uh, he was he was still Chris Gaines if you wipe away know. the makeup. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, Joker was actually Chris Gaines, yes. not Garth Brooks. No, he was uh, Garth Brooks too. Was that the oh, er- it's all early the 90s? Yeah. Was that the early 90s version? <laughs> yeah, something like that. He's got friends in low places. <laughs> Arkham so, Asylum. Uh, I mean, let's get to the, the spinner act so that we can talk about the Joker. Okay, it is Wednesday, the best day of the week, so let's dive right into it. We've got, um, this is a neat trade paperback, All-Star Comics, Only Legends Live Forever. This will actually showcase some of the, uh, basically the the death of the Golden Age Batman. Uh, it's not something that's often talked about because a lot of people forget there was an Earth 2 just because of modern continuity. So this is a really neat trade paperback that'll go back and touch on some of your All-Star Comics and things like that. Uh, Batman Giants, number one. So these should be different than the Walmart Giants. Um, so we're going to have some new stories here. Uh, let me see. I'm not sure who's writing this one. Oh, Michael Gary. I can't say I've heard of him, but he'll be the guy writing the new story, the main story. And then you're going to have the Court of Owls knife trick from Batman number one. Oh. Harley lives from Detective 23.2 and then Better Than Batman part one from Nightwing number one. So this will be an infusion of modern stuff and then some of the uh, new 52 things as well. Batman Last Night on Earth is getting another printing. I believe this marks it as the second printing. No, I'm sorry, third printing. So yeah, that's that's very exciting. Um, and again, if you're fresh from seeing the Joker, uh, this would be a great last Batman Joker story to enjoy. And this is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo working together. 
Uh, Batman Universe number four will be out. Now, this will actually collect the Batman giant stories from the Walmart giants that are out there. Uh, so this will be Brian Michael Bendis uh, taking over Batman. And I love this cover because it is, um, it's featuring Batman, Green Lantern, and Jonah Hex, and it's drawn by Nick Darrington. His art is just beautiful. It's It's got this... I, I, I don't want to say simple in a mean... like It's not a bad way that I'm saying it. I, I just think his artwork is beautiful. Uh, Batman's Grave number one comes out. This is going to be the new <coughs> maxi-series uh, having Warren Ellis finally write some Batman. Uh, you'll have Kevin Nolan actually be the interior artist as well. Actually, no, maybe I think uh, Brian Hitch will also be working on this one anyways. But anyways, Hitch and Nolan, amazing artists in themselves, wrapped up by Warren Ellis. Um, This is basically Batman trying to, I guess, solve a crime. There's no clues or anything. There's just an empty grave next to his parents' grave. So he's got to figure it out, and he's got to basically become the killer in order to catch the killer. So this is going to be definitely putting Batman out there on the the crazy train for sure. So kind of more cerebral instead of like... Kung Fu action, Batman. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good way to look at it, yeah. Uh, Catwoman hits her 16th issue, and this will be tying in with the Year of the Villain as well. Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's right, we have a big TV show crossover. So Crisis on Infinite Earths was a maxi-series that changed the DC Universe for all that we know. Uh, They finally are getting around to collecting all the uh, tie-in issues and trades and stuff like that. Actually, I apologize, not the word trades. These are hardcover deluxe editions. So this will be the third companion volume. Uh, This will Feature stories from Atheist issue 13, Blue Devil 17 and 18, Wonder Woman 327, 28, 29, Swamp Thing 46, Legion of Superheroes, Superman issues, DC, just a buttload of Bronze Age comics. I'm not going to go through and read all of them. So, just a very thick hardcover. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'll be honest, I've, I've kind of toyed with getting these myself, but I just, at the risk of it's just going to take up a lot of shelf space. Yeah. And plus it's, it, it comes down to a lot of books that really might not matter as much. So if you're a completist, I definitely say do it. If you're curious, I would, I don't know. That's a tough toe to dip in. Uh, but anyways, moving along, DC Villains Giants number one. That's right. These giants are going to be a great way to introduce comic shops uh, scenarios to younger fans because you can get 100 pages for $5. So this one's going to be Ooh. a villains one. So we're going to get some uh, Deathstroke, Joker, Poison Ivy, Darkseid, and Reverse Flash stories inside here. There will be at least two, actually it looks like maybe three new stories in there, and then three reprints as well. So a lot of fantastic stuff there. Detective Comics issue 1013 will be out, and this is dealing with Mr. Freeze. Um, Like Finally, uh, his wife is alive. Nora is back. So how's he going to handle it, and what does he have to do since he's gotten her returned? Dollar Comics will be continuing on as well, and this will feature Watchmen number one. So if you wanted to have a first appearance of all the Watchmen characters in the Watchmen universe, this is where it's at, all for a dollar. Event Leviathan is coming up to its pinnacle issue with issue five out of six, so we're going to get a lot of uh, big reveals and some more questions to put on your plate. Flash hits issue 80, dealing with the rogues in the year of the villain. Mm. Uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy issue two is out. This is spinning right out of... um, Heroes in Crisis, so we get to see what those two are up to after all their all their shenanigans. Hawkman issue seventeen deals with Hawkman going into transformation into full villain mode, thanks to um, 
Lex Luthor, or I guess Apex Lex. Actually, no, this would be the Batman who laughs. That's right. He's the one transforming people. Oh, that's right. I was about to say, like, when did Hawkman turn into a bad yeah, guy? No, that, that, yeah, that just happened. I want to say, well, it'll be part of like the Shazam who laughs. Yeah, that makes sense. So he'll be one of those characters. Uh, Heroes in Crisis, The Price and Other Tales. So if you liked Heroes in Crisis, there were definitely some tie-in issues. This will collect Batman issue. Oh, sorry, Batman and Flash issues 64 and 65 where basically Batman and Barry have to deal with the ramifications. Green Arrow issues 45, 48, 49, and 50, and Flash Annual 2. So we get to see a lot of what's going on with the fallout from Roy and Wally and their their mentors. Uh, This one is going to be the big one. Joker, Year of the Villain. John Carpenter is going to take his hand at writing the Joker. Really? I remember reading that. Yes, so it's it's finally coming out. So this Wednesday, uh, pick up a copy for yourself. Uh, I suspect this is going to be a big issue. Will it tie into modern continuity? I don't know. Will it just be wild, the fact that it's John Carpenter writing the Joker? Yes. Um, it does definitely hug massively into Year of the Villain. It's spooky season. <laughs> it is. And it it's is John Carpenter. Much. Yeah, so this one, this could definitely be a fun read, or it could just be something to add to your collection. But I'm, I'm definitely, I'm hyped for it myself. Maybe it'll start the Carpenter universe, and we'll see uh, Joker take on uh, Michael Myers. <laughs> Well, as Todd Phillips has taught us, anybody can do anything with the Joker. That is true. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Joker Harley Criminal Sanity will be out. Uh, This is a nine-part miniseries that will basically kind of look at the origins of the Joker Harley relationship. So we'll definitely be seeing that. So it's 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 a new a new twist on an old story. I guess that's interesting. I feel like that would have a lot of backlash with it considering that the that the relationship it's like you know when when suicide squad came out i remember watching it and uh my sister and her boyfriend her boyfriend was very like oh relationship goals i'm like no no no, yeah, no, no, this no. Is, yeah. you don't you don't want that no you don't well i think this is gonna definitely i think it's gonna finally be the series that more empowers her oh, okay so instead of it taking like 16 years and a bunch of bad posting of horrible memes for people <laughs> to finally understand the joker harley relationship mm-hmm. i think this will start off where it's like here's the allure then she's a part of it, and then she realizes how bad it is, and she'll escape. You know, something to that effect. I okay, think. I like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Justice League Odyssey issue fourteen will continue the Justice League Adventures in Space. Ruby, which is one of those uh, animes that's out there, it's W R W B Y. Uh, they DC Comics recently got the license to do a seven part series of them, so they'll they'll start getting some comic book add on as well. What? I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, and then even at New York Comic Con, they just announced seasons seven and eight from Rooster Teeth. So it wow. looks like. Ruby's getting starting to get out there. That's nuts. That's that's crazy. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, Secrets of Sinister House. So DC Comics loves to have fun because it is spooky season. So they're going to put out another giant. Uh, this will be their Halloween hijinks shenanigans. I don't know what other scary, spooky, funny words to put out there. But uh, this is going to be featuring Paul Dini, Ralph Albuquerque, Raphael Salvacone, Brian Hill, Dan Waters, and very, very a uh, lot of other people. So it's going to be twisted worlds and visits and, and reimaginations. Uh, they will go back to the Red Rain Batman, and that's the one where Batman was a Dracula-type character. So that'll oh. be very interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Supergirl issue 35 is out. That'll be definitely tying into the year of the villain as well. Superboy issue 16, or sorry, Superman issue 16 will be out. Uh, it's that moment you've been waiting for. Damien and John reunited. How will Damien react to John being older and probably having cooler friends? So <laughs> it's going to be tough. So that's what we got coming from DC Comics. If we jump the fence and go over to Marvel Comics, uh, Absolute Carnage Miles Morales Part 3 is out. 
So how does Miles deal with having a symbiote attack him? Uh, so we get to see some of the fallout from there. Absolute Carnage Scream Part 2 of 3 will be out. Uh, Amazing Fantasy Issue 15 gets a facsimile edition. So if you've always wanted to own Amazing Fantasy, the first appearance of Spider-Man, this is as close as you're going to get because I believe somebody posted a picture, and I think this was again at New York Comic Con. They had, a, I think it was a CGC 9.8 or a very high-graded Spider-Man or Amazing Fantasy number 15, $1.1 million. Wow. So this one will only sit you back three ninety nine. So there you go. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, Mary Jane, the Amazing Mary Jane issue one is out. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's just the poster. Psych. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue 31 will be hitting the racks, uh, and that's going to deal with more the fallout of absolute carnage and how it's affecting Peter and his realm. Uh, Peter and Norman Osborn are going to clash with each other, see what's going on there. Contagion issue two is out. This is the five-part miniseries that will hopefully get you to think about uh, deceased, but in a Marvel manner. Dr. Doom, number one is out. I love that in this week, the Joker and Dr. Doom get their own big issues. Like, <laughs> that is freaking cool. Like, those are some major villains. Maybe we'll get Dr. Joker. Ooh, there you go. Joker Doom. I like Joker uh, Doom. Dr. J. Doom. There we go. That's his rap <laughs> name. I like Because he already conquered rock and country, so now he's got to go to rap. <laughs> and then he goes on, becomes a world-famous DJ. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's see. Gwenpool Strikes Back Part 3 will be out as well. House of X Issue 4 will be getting a second printing. If you love your Immortal Hulk and you don't know which origin to choose, it's okay. There's a trade paperback out there that'll collect as many as they are allowed to put in print. So this will be Hulk Incredible Origins. Uh, this will feature a lot of... I'm not too sure what Marvel's main goal is is with these trades, I figure this is probably like you have a friend that wants to start appreciating these comics and they're not sure where to start. You just hand them this trade and see what happens. Invaders number 10 will be out. This is a huge one. Why? Because Namer's going full bananas. So I like this is going to be a culmination issue. I don't know if this is the last issue of this series or if it will make it to 12 or not. This is huge. So Captain America and the Winter Soldier are finally, they're going down into Namer's realm and it's going to continue on. So this is dead in the water. So yeah, definitely. If you're curious to what's happening with Namer, that would be one of the books to check out. Uh, Immortal Hulk gets a director cart, director's cut, part five of six. Uh, Marvels will be Marvels will Marvel will be releasing an eighty for eighty hardcover. So this is eighty iconic images representing the eighty years of Marvel. Now this is kind of interesting because. I'm curious, will they go year by year or will they take like these are the top 80 images that definitely say Marvel Comics to you? So something I want to see what you guys would think about to you when you think Marvel Comics or if you had to pick an iconic image, what would come to your mind? So don't worry, I'll buy you some time. I'll keep going to the spinner rack. <laughs> right. But I'm definitely curious, what would you have picked for your your 80 issue? Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man issue 11 is out. The Ghost Rider is finally getting his first Marvel Masterworks. I'm super hyped because we have never gotten a reprinting of Johnny Blaze's origin story in color. Yes, they did the uh, black and whites with the... Uh, the Essential Editions, which was basically old phone books, but now it's great. It's finally here in true living color. I hope they continue on. Powers of X will reach its conclusion. Issue 6 will be released. This is going to be mind-blowing. Um, House of X and Power of X will be done, and now comes the Dawn of X. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Spider-Man, the Ultimate Power and Responsibility Marvel Select Edition will be out. So this will collect issues one through seven of Ultimate Spider-Man. If you want to give your, your your friend something amazing to read, that book would definitely be it to there. Uh, True Believers, X-Men Betsy Braddock, number one. I believe this will be reprinting 
the first appearance of Betsy Braddock, and then True Believer's X-Men Pyro number one, which will be reprinting the first appearance of Pyro. Now, it's very interesting that they're picking Pyro. What does that mean? Is he going to get a big boon? Yes. Where will that happen? I don't know yet, so I'm very excited to see where he's going to be going at. War of Realms Punisher's comics will be reprinted in a trade paperback. Web of Black Widow Part 2 of 5 will be out. And then X-Men XXL by Jim Lee. So if you love your Jim Lee art and you want to see him on the X-Men and you want to have a book that's huge... This is the place to be. It's going to cost you $100, and it's going to be like, I think it's almost like three feet tall. Oh, my God. These things are insane. Wow. I accidentally bought one, and I wish I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's what's on your spinner racks. Wow, it's uh, quite the spinner rack. So what was the, you wanted So would it be I- Marvel's, iconic. yeah, what would be an iconic, and it doesn't matter if it's iconic to Marvel, if it's iconic to you, is fine as well. What's an image that just screams like, this is huge, like this has to be in that Marvel's, 80 for 80. All right. Let's go ahead and start with you. Okay. Well, if it were me, honestly, I think I, I would have to go to Amazing Fantasy number 15 when Peter gets bit by that spider. I just love the way that panel looks. Uh, it's pure Steve Ditko. You just see this kid screaming, you know, the glowing spider, the way the colorist chose to represent that. I think it's fantastic. And plus, it's the birth of Spider-Man. You can't get more iconic than that when it comes to Marvel. Rafa? On my end, for me, it's uh, not necessarily for Marvel uh, that comes up besides the iconic shot of uh, Peter Parker when he the debris falls on him and there's the water falling. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great like, one. Um, I forget what issue that's from, but you know that's even recreated in Homecoming, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they homage that one um, again, Steve Ditko. Wonderful. But for me, whenever I think of like iconic shots, I always think of the image. Um, I think it's in Bat- uh, Detective Comics number one or whenever Batman shows up, and then it was homaged in zero year with um uh scott snyder the one where batman is uh grabbing onto the criminal uh-huh. and like, he's kind of in the in the sky and there's like a there's a billboard behind them and it has the bat on it uh-huh. i think of that image and i think that's a really strong image for me oh that was a cool answer that definitely screams back to detective 27 back when he had yeah. like the purple gloves yep yep yeah they did a good job homaging that golden age there so was I supposed to pick a cover or was just I just anything like panel? just an image? It could be a cover, it could be a panel, so, it could be an image, it could be a page. Honestly, the first thing that came to mind when you said when you when you requested it was uh, I don't know which issue of X Men it is, but I know it's it's a Days of Future Past issue. It's the one with the uh, old Logan and Kitty, and then there's the uh, the, the, the wanted the well not the, oh, graveyard, the, but the, the wanted, cover okay yeah, the cover yeah. yeah where there's the wanted posters behind them and he's blocking kitty i think it's kitty right Yeah, it's kitty yeah Yeah. it's funny because that's that's uh, the issue i just brought out um it's the first appearance of pyro oh that's the one that's (laughs) gonna be that that marvel marvel's greatest comics i forget what they call their dollar line but yeah that's totally that cover so yeah that is days of future past right yeah 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 Yeah. uh in that line of thinking i also think of the the spider-man one where he's walking away and he had the the spider-man suits in the trash can oh yeah yeah that's that's very iconic very very iconic um i can't think of any particular i don't know if i'm just thinking of of marvel i mean there's so much stuff out there yeah um definitely i mean there's there's always captain america punching hitler it's it's a good it's a good image that's a good one uh I like. For, the, oh, it, this one will work for Sam. First, uh-oh. first appearance of the Punisher with the the cover where you know Spider Man's in the crosshairs for the Punisher. Yes, like that's a that's a great cover too. Yeah, that's one of my favorites yeah. for sure. All right, Sam, you got one. I got it, and it's not it's not the Punisher. Okay, okay. in uh, it's the Punisher. No, no, no. In the eighties, they did an eight series limited issue called Electra Assassin, mm-hmm. and Bill Sinkowitz did the the cover art for I think all of them. 
that one right there, the very first one, the first issue, the one where she's got this big old ridiculous, like I was talking about earlier, this gun you've never even seen in real life. <laughs> it's like an M8000 500 millimeter grenade launcher. Who <laughs> fires all the guns. You see a very slender picture of Electra in the iconic red, yeah. holding up the biggest gun I've ever seen. Yeah. And then we just get the words Electra and then under it, Assassin. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're talking about Electra, the, the, scene, the, the panel with... Uh, Bullseye putting the side through Electra's yep. body. Oh, that's that's, that's right. very yeah. iconic to me. Yeah, it is. And they go to d- is that Daredevil? Daredevil? Oh God, the, the man without no. Uh, well, okay, wait. You said the with Bullseye putting the side through, right? Yes, it's yeah, Frank it was Miller, Daredevil. Right? Yeah, it's Frank Miller. Um, I think she appears one eighty one or she dies one eighty one, but a number's jumping out at me for some reason. And I mean, even going from there, I mean, with iconic pictures, talking about the Joker, right? The Alex Ross, where he's in the suit and he's holding Harley Quinn. All the dance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they even homage oh, that. It's Mad um, Love, isn't it? Isn't that from Mad Love? Is it? Yeah. I don't know if it was. I just, I know, I, I think that was just one he did. Like, th- he just oh. painted it to paint it. Oh, okay. They may have used it um, to, like, for reprints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. Mad Love was just its own thing. But, yeah, they, they homage that in... Um, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. They actually, yeah. uh, we did get to see the original Harley Quinn outfit in live action. And I think that was only in the extended cut of Probably. Suicide Squad. I, I forget which one I fell asleep through. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Uh, okay, so. There's, there's this one, too. There's all those. Uh, oh, another electric. electric yeah, I liked all. I Honestly, I liked all the covers from that entire series. Mm. I mean, th- th- those are some of my, my favorite uh, cover arts was uh, Electro Assassin. Series. Very cool. Well, Bill Sankowitz, he is quite the artist. Like, he's got some amazing, um, uh, just, he's got some amazing talent. Like, he does amazing things. Um, Like, whenever somebody passes away that's famous, he actually does a drawing of them. It's 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 beautiful. Like he'll he'll do an homage to them, and I think it's really respectful. Um, He is actually responsible too for the look of the kingpin when it comes to uh, into the Spider Verse, the movie. Okay. Uh, He did a. Daredevil Kingpin Electra oversized graphic novel and that one toyed with the idea of the Kingpin being that big giant right. block with Just a little head. The wall. Yeah. Uh, okay. So before we get into just a straight up Joker 101, let's let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about Joker. Todd Phillips, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Came out this past week. We all went and saw it at some different points and... Uh, I, I'll come out and say right now that I did not enjoy the movie. Uh, there wasn't really any anything about the one performance that I actually enjoyed throughout the whole movie was Brian Tyree Henry. He plays a administrative clerk at the at Arkham Asylum. Oh, that's right. And yeah. like to me, it was pretty much the only believable performance, like of a guy who's like, dude, I I just work here. Please don't do this. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, and I, like I really Zazzy, shouldn't be giving you this, huh? You didn't like Zazzy Beats? No, as the. Uh, I the mean, imaginary friend, <laughs> imaginary friend. So we are definitely going to be getting into spoilers here. Yeah. Uh, if you hadn't seen the movie yet, you might want to pause it, go watch the movie, come back. Uh, we will get into a one one um, but we wanted to talk about the movie first. In five, four, three, two, one. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was obvious what they were doing with Zazzy Beats character, and it just—it's just more of the same thing throughout for that whole movie of. If you're insane, if you have mental issues or mental health issues, you're going to uh, kill a bunch of people. It's just the way that movie portrays it. You know, like I'm going to call it out for what it was. It was a cash grab. I mean, it's like, hey, I'm going to make this movie. Like, I'm going to make the modern day taxi driver 
it might not do so well, but I know right now what's popular superhero films. So I'm going to make a movie See, and I'm going to wrap it up I, in the Joker. I wouldn't even say that was Todd Phillips's. To me, the way I, I read it is Todd Phillips went into Warner Brothers and says, I have a great idea for a movie. I want to kind of remake Taxi Driver. I have this guy that's going slowly insane, and 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 eventually he he uh, he gets a bunch of people to do some to incite a mob and stuff like that. And but Warner Brothers was like, "But wait, um, we're trying to stick to like these superhero movies. We need we have comic book stuff that we want to compete with." And we and he's like, "Oh." Well, I can make it about the Joker. Right. It's, and, it's called the Joker. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> well, whoever great. whoever decided, either way, it sucks. It's like, I mean, like I said, like I joked about last time, if you call this movie The Clown, I'll appreciate it more. Like, if I look at it as just a movie, I'd give it a B minus. Like, I, I didn't mind what it was. It's a tale that I've seen many different times. Um, but the minute you wrap it up in the Joker, it has a higher expectation from me. Now, I know people will be like, oh, that's fanboy rage and learn to let go. If I didn't learn to let go, I wouldn't have appreciated comics after Batman number one because Batman number one put down its own Joker thing and they've added to the story years and years, many, many different times. There's just parts of the movie that I found predictable and there were parts of the movie that just didn't work just because it was like, oh, well, this is a this is what I need to have happen. So I just I mean, overall, I, I my popcorn sucked. I was bummed. <laughs> I remember you mentioned that we're in the theater and we're getting ready to go. And he's like, and the popcorn's stale. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was weird. I should have known. So, okay, that's that's me and, and, and Chris. Rafa? Uh, when I want to go watch it, you know, like when it was coming out, kind of I was in the same boat. It's, oh, they're just putting the title Joker to something to showcase. And then it got the buzz, right? And this is where I got conflicted because, you know, as somebody who's, I mean, I've enjoyed the DC movies for what they've been. The only one that I really didn't like was Justice League, unfortunately. But, I mean, most people don't. I get that. I like Batman vs. Superman for what it was. I enjoyed Man of Steel. Um, and I thought I, I appreciate what they were trying to do. But at some point, you know, they got stuck in a situation where it became Marvel versus DC. DC's copying Marvel. DC's too tough, too this, whatever. So with this idea of them doing Joker, I'm like, well, why this? Why not do something else? Why not give me a Man of Steel too? But whatever. That's That's all background. The movie for what it was, uh, for me, I enjoyed it. I kind of like what Chris was saying, you know, B performance, whatever we want to talk about as far as my overall enjoyment. But at the same time, it's, you know, the only way that movie works is with Joaquin uh, Phoenix's performance, which was great. I really enjoyed it. But Mitch, you brought up a really good point. There weren't a lot of believable characters. There weren't a lot of likable characters. There really weren't. And, and I, I know that's exactly what Todd Phillips is going for. He's like, well... The world is bad. It's the Joker. So that's why our, our character turns bad. Like right, but and it becomes you know it's it's that commentary. This movie is literally just a story of the bourgeoisie, the proletariat coming up, ripping down the one percent, and showcasing. Okay, if you're going to not appreciate us we are the clowns we will tear apart your world and at the end of the day you know that has real life connotations and i mean again i think art is what art is for what it sakes and you know i feel like there are enough responsible people in this world that know that they can differentiate between real life and fiction unfortunately there are some that aren't do i think it glorifies mental illness not necessarily i think it, it tries to, to romanticize this idea of this underdog because that's what Joaquin Phoenix is supposed to be. Oh, yeah. And there are parts of the movie where I feel for him. You know, like oh, I yeah. wanted to watch him, you know, catch those kids that break the sign over his face. And I wanted him to. But to see, I them. thought that was that was the dumbest reason thing about that beginning part of that movie. Like it's a sign. Dude, yeah. just let it go. Yeah. Like if you would have walked into the store right after and been like, dude, these guys just stole my sign. That guy would never have like talked to his boss and said, 
your 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 clown stole my sign. One also is there just a bunch of clowns that can be rented out for things like that? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. In, there's an industry in, for that. In, in, no, in there's this, not. <laughs> in this movie uh, um, world, yes. Well, well, yeah, but see, that's well, not a time period. Go to the clown that, and get into the it's clown store. Supposed to be late seventies, early eighties. No, 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 Eighty-one, uh, and, and I'll tell you why. Because I looked up the movie that they were uh, they were yeah, advertising. The, the, the Zorro the Gay Blade. Zorro right? the Gay Blade. I had to look up the movie when, when the credits rolled. I was like, nineteen eighty-one was when Zorro the Gay Blade oh, came there out. You go. So, so mostly, yeah. I thought it was a love letter to cigarettes. I saw a lot of cigarettes. He smoked a, a lot, lot of, of cigarettes. Yeah, I mean, he smoked as much as I did when I was in the Marine Corps. I mean, shout out to Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. I mean, I mean those 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 scenes were like you just he just skin and bones. These are back yeah. and bones. And you know, I mean, what it gave to us was that very interesting laugh, which hopefully we're not going to get. A, I mean, people are going to you know they're going to copy that laugh. I've already changed my ringtone to that laugh. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Look at this Joker. Um, <laughs> Uh, I thought you know the incorporation of Robert De Niro was very interesting, but he, again, he wasn't very likable. You could see from the beginning where at the very top where they're watching that late night show, and we see Joaquin Phoenix putting himself into the situation where he's in the in the audience, thing, yeah. the audience, yeah. and so now we know that we can't trust. This is a untrustworthy narrator. Yeah, right. It's un, yeah, it's it's an unreliable turn. And you know, you don't story. know you don't know how much of it by the end of the movie. You don't know how much of it's real and how much of it was all in his head. And I see, and I see that that's what they were trying to do. But I feel like for maybe the casual moviegoer, it was like, oh my god, I wasn't expecting this to happen. <laughs> but for mo- I feel like they were very well placed in positions where like you could see that coming a mile away. And, oh yeah, and I think it faulted the movie in that respect. Um, and. I felt like well, there was a lot of interesting music choices. Some oh. of it I liked, some of it I didn't. There's already that pissed me off. So I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna talk about that elephant in the room. Do you want to get Sam's opinion it's first? Sam. Or? No, okay. no, 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 He's no, got no, a horrible no. ringtone. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. No, I, all I was gonna say was that I've I've read a couple of articles on it, and one of the articles was about that song that you're about to talk about oh, okay. and why it was an odd choice. Go ahead. Horrible choice. Okay, so we kind of refer to it mostly as the Hey song. And what is it? The History of Rock and Roll Volume 2 by Gary Glitter, who is a horrible person. A piece of crap. A piece of garbage. I mean, he is a he is a literal monster. Like he is a global phenomenon for being a horrible person who molests children and does horrible, monstrous things. And for some reason, nobody is bothered with that guy. Like you want to talk about the one percent we should be mad at? That's the one percent we should be mad at. And I mean, I get it. I get like I mean, the Joker's a horrible person. And that moment he's going down the steps. That's his descent into being the Joker, and it's it's so spectacular, but it's like you could have picked a bunch of other songs. Could have picked Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare. Could have picked something, but instead now that movie is going to pay rights to Gary Glitter. That just, man, that sucks. Like, I, I don't want to contribute to it because I don't want to give money to Gary Glitter. Yeah, I get that. So, Sam, but what did you think of the movie overall? Okay, as a movie, I thought it was very well done. Um, you know, before we went and watched the movie, I, I I go on IMDb a lot, and one of the articles that was on the face of that page uh, said, "Does um, Todd Phillips' Joker belong in a Scorsese esque uh, cinema?" You know, um, category. Yeah, category. Okay. Um, do they belong in the same cinematic universe? Oh, okay. okay. Uh, does it belong in Scorsese's cinematic universe? And what they did was they did a side-by-side of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and Robert De Niro's Travis Bickle. Mm-hmm. Okay? And when you look at the filming of it, when you look at the way the movie was 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 uh, presented and shot, I don't know if they used, I don't know what kind of cameras they used to film it. You know, maybe they went back to using the cameras from that, from that era. But um, it has a very taxi driver feel to it. 
if that makes sense. If you if if you've all seen that movie Taxi Driver. Yeah. Okay. Um it's 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 very it's very Scorsese. Um and uh when Chris and I got done talking about it, you know, I was like, man, this is a really good movie. And Chris was like, mm, you know, and I understand why now. I understand why better now. And I'm not agreeing because you won me over, but I've, I've thought about it myself. As a good, as a movie, I thought it was a good movie. As a Joker movie, not so much. As a Joker origin story, no. Because every other iteration of the Joker's origin is very similar to its predecessors in the comics, movies, um, cartoons whatever have you and even though this movie from the get-go said this is a standalone movie that is not part of what the rest of dc's putting out it still feels a little off and there's something i mean what i don't like about that is it's kind of before you get into that i just want to make sure that you know the audience knows that uh, Scorsese at one point was supposed to be the producer on this movie. He he, ah. he dropped out. He is not a producer. However, know that. his uh, producing partner, I forget her name, is a producer on this movie. So uh-huh. there's that. Go ahead. Oh, no, good to know. Um, I felt like it was Todd Phillips kind of like getting to, to, to pick out his cake and eat it too. Because it's the only reason that this movie got so much stuff coming out of it, all the publicity got, you know, the fact that it won Venice, you know, right. oh, it's a superhero movie. It's one of those movies, right? Yeah. It got an eight minute standing O, an eight minute standing ovation. See, that's just pretentious. I don't know that's, that's about that. They said that at, at Venice, that, that happened at Venice, and I don't know. That sounds like, who's going to sit there and, st- and clap for eight minutes? That's bull. I know. Like I, I think that's an exaggeration, no. but they did, it did win the Golden Lion. Yeah, people are liking this movie. People are really yeah. liking this movie at the time of this recording. Uh, they it, its weekend box office is ninety three million, so it it's definitely won over. It beat it chapter one for highest grossing R rated movie R-rated of uh, nice. October. I think I if think you keep so. going yeah. lower, like narrowing the field, <laughs> but. Uh, it's just I, the movie itself. You when you if like like Chris said, if you just called it sad clown, or if you if you take out the clown part altogether, you know you make it about this comedian or this guy who wants to be a comedian, wants to be on this late night show, eventually gets fed up with everything. Like it would have been something else. I still feel like I would have had a problem with Joaquin Phoenix's acting in it. I would have had a problem with a lot of the decisions that. Todd Phillips made in directing and in, in cinematography and uh, what shots he included. But everybody has an idea of what the Joker is and where he's going to end up. So this movie literally calls for you to feel bad for him, to empathize with him and what he is going to do because he had a bad, a bad couple weeks, as Chris put it. It's just... To me, you have to take that into account. If it was just a comedian, we would not know where he's going to be going with his life after the end of this movie, unless they made sequels. Right. Yeah. But we, but this in in itself is a prequel. So, do you feel bad for? I guess I guess at the end of at the end of the original trilogy of Star Wars, Vader turns and becomes a good guy. Right? He kills the Palpatine. Or yeah. as we thought, he killed Palpatine. As the next movie is going to come out, right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, you go back and you watch those prequels. He's a kid that went through a whole bunch of stuff and then became uh, Vader because he was corrupted by Palpatine. So there, there's that. That's what I'm talking about. Like you know where Anakin's going to end up. 
So thus, this story helps you empathize with him. We know where the Joker is going to end up. Should you be empathizing with him? That's where I, that's where I get. See, and, and at the end of this movie, I mean, even before Chris and I talked about it, I've, I've, I, by the end of that movie, it was like, this is not a redeemable character. <laughs> even a little bit. Not even a little bit. No, not. I. That's that's how I feel, man. But I see, mean, the the whole movie is pushing you towards the state cut funding to to mental health. So he doesn't have a person to talk to anymore. His med, he can't get a hold of his meds. So thus, there starts to decline. So then you have you have uh, uh, the guy who he believes is his father punching him in the face and telling him to get lost. The person that raised him was actually a, a lady who or was not even his mother. yeah his yeah. adopted mother yeah. who let her boyfriend beat the crap out of him as he was chained to a, a radiator like all these things kept piling on top of each other until the point where he's like all right the world's a joke i should be a, i should be the joker I, yeah, because they even want you to feel like like Robert De Niro, he's a jerk because it's like, hey, we, we put up this clip, we're making fun of this guy, and then, you know, hey, let's bring him onto the show so we could do it in person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, so that moment when he does finally look at Robert De Niro and he's like, you're the bad guy, and he shoots and blows his head off, I find myself rooting for him, but it's in that action, you know, it's just in that action, and like, I mean... I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like you hope you watch a Superman movie and you walk away thinking people are good, that there's hope out there. And then obviously you should watch a Joker film. And when you leave, you should think people are scum and there's nothing good. It gave me that feeling because especially when everybody in the town is rioting and uh, like speaking of origins, I think it sucks now that again, you know, the origin of Batman is tied into the Joker. The Joker. Yeah, because yeah, they the, the whole point of that, that scene at the end of that movie is both characters, both creations were created the same night. Yep. They created yeah. each other because yeah. the Waynes created him, and he yeah. he created. You made me. You made me first. Yeah. I say you made me first. Yeah. That's the '89 Batman right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it definitely like that movie. It felt like it could have been a prequel to Batman '89. Like it almost, it it really felt like it could go that route. It could, you know, it just like all right, this is going to be your, your Joker. I mean, there's a couple little blips that don't fit, but I mean, who cares? Head cannon is head cannon. I mean. Not that I want to get on that train, but it's like I almost feel like like Zack Snyder's really arguing for that. You know, he recently just put out, oh yeah, the general in Man of Steel, he's Martian Manhunter. These things are happening, and it's like, no, they're not. They weren't part of the movies. Not part and, of the movie that we know, saw. So I mean, and it, it really does come down to it because, like, I mean, we pick and choose. At the end of the day, we pick and choose what we want to believe is continuity. Right. Which is totally fine. Like I said, uh, for me, it's just, this is like taking clown meat and wrapping it up and saying, I'm serving you filet mignon. And it's like, nope, it's still clown meat at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, but then you got some people that are like, oh, this is really good filet mignon. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's the part that makes me sad because I hope those people aren't the WB executives who are like, hey, you guys who make DC Comics, this is what's going to happen. And the way Warner Brothers is right now, I feel like that could happen, which makes me sad because I want... Tom King and and Scott Snyder to write the Joker that they're going to write and not be influenced because of a movie that they decided to brand the Joker. That's a really good point. I mean, even even if you want to look at this like a one-time thing with like, okay, it was a movie, it happened, people like it. If it gets it to the point which it looks like it's getting to, people are going to love it so much, yes, that's going to lead to new stories where the Joker is more humanized, where we're meant to sympathize with the character that does not deserve sympathy. It's one of those things where, again... We can separate the movie from real life actions, but at the same time, if it's going to 
to, to, to poison, for lack of a better term, the water of what we're reading and what we're enjoying, it can't create problems. It also does a disservice to the fact that, okay, if they move forward, let's say they decide at some point, okay, it's not a standalone. We want this Joker in the iteration yeah, of future Batman next films. One, yeah. Okay, so then that completely already tanks the Batman uh, Joker relationship because in this case right we're able to see Joker in a way where maybe we can sympathize with him at the beginning and it just loses its mystery it loses its lore and kind of what we're going to be talking about right now with Joker 101 it's we're based to create and look at a character that does not have sympathy because of the atrocious things that he does and the fact that like Batman he is a symbol whereas Batman creates that order and that justice Joker is the chaos yeah. and, it, and it's and it's it changes throughout time from whether it's a mobster to a gangster to to homicidal maniac, whatever it is. You know, it's it's hard because it is going to change the overall look. At the same time, though, you could argue, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker was great. But again, we didn't have a good background on like how he got created. And that was a great performance because, again, we got more of that, 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 that psychological, psychological terror. terror. Yeah. yeah, I think with Heath Ledger's Joker, they were expecting the audience to already have a background of him. There, there, there's a couple of characters that have been like that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. You're already expected to know how he came to be who he is. But even though people are going to the Dark Knight to watch the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, you're still watching a Batman movie. Yeah. Batman yes. is your hero. He yes. is your protagonist. He's In this guy. movie, Joker is your protagonist. He is the one that the story is following. It's so at the end of that, he even if he's not a likable character, even if he's he's a villain, he's still your hero, like quote unquote hero. He's your person you're following, yeah. and that's where I, I have the problem with it. Yeah, because yeah. how do you? I mean, I don't want to empathize with that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So that's our thoughts on on the movie. It, they're they're probably going to come up some more because uh, as we're going to talk about Joker One Hundred One, uh, created by Bill Finger. Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, back in 1939, Batman number one. Oh my God! That's Good grief, man! Batman that's... number one, 1939. Now is is the 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 Joker from? Sorry, 1940. Ba- 1940. And actually, this one they have a specific date, April 25th of 1940. So I believe that makes him an Aries. Okay, because <laughs> that's important. If uh, it, now is the 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 Joker that showed him showed up in Batman number one the same that Scott Snyder is writing? No, no. Is he the same Joker that uh, Jack Nicholson played? No. Now is that is that going to be a problem for us, the ones who read these comic books and watch these movies? No. So you can't. So come what at do we us. want? No. <laughs> so you can't come <laughs> at us when you're yesterday. like when you say, "Hey, uh, Walking Phoenix is playing something that's not." you know there is different you need to just get over that like you said earlier chris yeah no like i said i mean i okay let me let me let me preface this i'm gonna start off right off the bat and this is a direct quote and i had it primed the whole time then the minute i go to do something now's the moment i need it that's the so, chaos that the joker introduces yeah. into our lives <laughs> let me, we, we are not it creates again it's that proletariat message of the rich being eaten alive by the poor all right here we go They've given many origins of the Joker, how he came to be. That doesn't seem to matter, just how he is now. I never intended to give a reason for his appearance. We discussed that, and Bill Finger and I never wanted to change it at that time. I thought, and he agreed, that it takes away some of the essential mystery. And that comes from Jerry Robinson, one of the creators of the Joker. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly, because you know what? I remember in the 1980s, you had Wolverine, 
and he was a certain way. He was a very short, Canadian, angry, gruffy-looking guy who chowed down cigars like nobody's business. <laughs> then all of a sudden, he started looking like um, Hugh Jackman. And the movies started changing the origin. And I was like, okay, well, it is what it is. And then because of that, that forced Marvel Comics to finally do the origin. And we got that miniseries origin, which I personally didn't care for. Um, is it a beautiful work of art? Yeah, it is. Is it a good story? Yeah, it is. But again, when you slap a certain title onto it, it does something. And to me, when it comes to comic books, I always hope that you add to your characters, never take away from them. If you can add to it, then you're doing something fantastic. But if you're taking away, then I don't feel like you're doing something there. And again, what did they take away? They took away that mystique that Wolverine had. I love the fact that we knew nothing about him. You know, I could have lived my whole life without knowing anything on that. And that's fantastic. Um, even the movies, they got to a point where they even said Wolverine and Sabretooth are their brothers, correct? Didn't that that X-Men Origins Wolverine? Yes. Yeah. X-Men Origins Wolverine makes the two of them brothers. Yeah, and again, but that's movie continuity. I don't care. This Elseworlds that I watched, I, I wish that would just be the branding <laughs> on the front of it. And that's all I got to do to tell myself. But see, and that's the also thing is that do I want to see if if you were going to create an origin for the Joker... Would I want to see Elseworlds on TV on on the big screen first before I see an, oh, a, no, a canon yeah. one? Right, like I know we've had a bunch of Superman movies so far on on the big screen, right? Oh yeah. But say we hadn't seen a Superman movie yet, would I want Superman Red Sun to be the first movie that people saw nope. for Superman? No, yeah. because I want you to know the first story. And then we can go off and do yeah. the other stories. Right. No, yeah, exactly. Like to me, and it's a bummer because they tried this. Like, I love Batman the Killing Joke. I think it's great. Um, it really plays with uh, the story from Detective Comics issue 168, which, by the way, DC Comics, since you're doing these facsimile editions, <laughs> you need to redo that one. And that one was actually written by Bill Finger. And that's the one that basically says the Red Hood was this unsolved case that Batman never figured out. There was a chemical worker at Ace Chemicals. He decided to quit, and he came back to rob the place so he could get a million dollars and retire. And lo and behold, as they start doing the case and they investigate it more, boom, you discover that was the Joker. And that was printed in February of 1951. 11 years, well, almost 11 years after the debut of the Joker. Um, there's always going to be tweaks. I mean, something's going to come along and change something. You know, like right now, if somebody asked you, what, what hand does the Joker use? Is he left-handed or right-handed? We don't know. And they could write this beautiful story, and you're like, wow, that's pretty cool how he's left-handed, and that makes so much sense, and it answers all these plot points. That's fantastic. Again, that adds to the character, so I don't mind. Um, so those two stories, I think, are great. And when it comes down to a, the, the, the killing joke, I think Alan Moore did a good job of... He didn't make the Joker sympathetic, but he made it understandable. Like You could see why this guy went bananas, because he had a horrible string of events that happened to him in one day that led to him becoming the Joker. And it's like, cool, because Frank Castle had a bad day, Bruce Wayne had a bad day, and we see that those men went a different path. You know, I think that's great stuff. Um, but at the end of The Killing Joke, you know, uh -huh. he he throws in the line of, this. that's the way it could have happened. I don't remember. It's, it's, oh, just, yeah. it's all In the big. end, my, my, my past is multiple choice, which I prefer it to be. And You're, does the end of Joker do the same thing? As Rafa was explaining with the unreliable narrator, you see him sitting in a in the, a doctor's office inside of what we assume is Arkham Asylum. Well, if if I look at what's on the screen, what's given to me directly, then no, it doesn't. 
It doesn't because, like, Sam brought up an interesting point. Like, if you go back to, it's the night where he's dancing around in the apartment, and he puts the gun under his mouth and blows his head off, and you see him slump down, and then it's scene changes. Maybe, you know, Sam said, hey, maybe he blew his head off, and the rest of us is all imaginary. You're right. Maybe he had blown his head off, he didn't die, and he has brain damage. And that's the crazy little world that he's living in. Yeah, I remember. But again, Lee, I remember we don't have going, we don't have watch. anything to cement that, you know. So I just I, I feel that that movie it's its own thing. It, it doesn't like I I I don't feel it gives me enough to say that this is mainstream Joker, but I don't feel it's enough to not say that this is its own thing because, like I said, like when hot like as we used to joke, you know, the Heath Ledger Joker, aka Hot Topic Joker, mm-hmm. you know, that took everything by storm, and we see it. I mean, if you go back to Grant Morrison's run on Batman when he first begins, the Joker looks exactly like that. He's got those scars that way, you know, and it's like, uh oh, that's what it's going to become, and that's what I worry about is that now all of a sudden the Joker's going to have this name Arthur Fleck. No, the Joker's never had a name like um, Joseph Kerr. Well, yeah, they, they played with that, you know, yeah. like Matthew Jack, Malone, you know. Jack Napier. Yeah. Jack Napier. Well, but see, that's but that funny. was the movie. So yeah, Jack Napier exactly. first appears because of the movie. Then in Batman Legends of the Dark Knight number 50, Sam just pointed this out. Uh, what was it? Rapier was the, the last uh, name? The, 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 the cousin's Ray. name. The, the Yeah, cousin... Cousin Melvin. Melvin. So Cousin Melvin, Melvin Rapier. Melvin, so the whole... Whatever, whatever Napier is backwards, Ray, Ray Penn. Yeah. yeah, Ray Penn. And so so we see that, oh, okay, that there's some tie into there, but that's a homage. Yeah. Um, and even then, if you go back to Batman Gotham Knights, I think it's issues 73 and 74, that is the first time in mainstream continuity comics that they finally say, his first name is Jack. But again, we don't know if that's official or not because that book got canceled. So who knows if it is or isn't. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just hope I don't start seeing a fleck come into my comics. I hope that the Joker doesn't start having blue eyes now, those little blue diamonds there. That's my only thing. Um, but to the actual comic itself, no. Like I said, I, I love what Jerry Robinson says because we've seen that. We've seen a lot of times where something will come along that will homage the story. You know, going back to Spider-Man, the moment that I recognized, right? That's an iconic moment. You see Peter Parker get bit. At some points, the, the spider gets swept off. His bully grabs the spider, eats it, and turns into a thousand little spiders. And that was part of the, the, the many webs of Spider-Man or something like that. And then that spider also got flicked onto a young girl named Cindy Moon. And she got bitten by the spider, and then she became um, Silk. Silk. So, I mean, there's great ways to play with the story. You know, if you want, the, in, in a head cannon somewhere, it bit all three of those people. And then those are the three totems. You know, going speaking of totems, going back to JMSs, you know, like, is Spider-Man science or is he nature? You know, that that's an interesting prose. So, I mean, to me, I don't have an origin of the Joker. And I like that the fact that there isn't one, I don't think we should ever know because Batman's all about solving crimes and cases. The minute he solves the Joker... That's the minute the Joker kills Batman, and you don't want to see those things. They shouldn't happen. That's just where I stand. And there's poetry to that. There's symbolism to that. Even the whole idea, right? I mean, one of the later uh, books with the New Fifty Two, when Scott Snyder's writing like Death of the Family, yeah, the whole idea that you know Joker can find like there's a scene where they catch Joker at the end, and Batman's talking about how I knew back then when I want to go see him, he followed me into my lair. He definitely could have known who I was, but. 
he didn't recognize me because the Joker doesn't want to know who Batman is. Yeah. So it's this ongoing mystery, and I think that adds so much to the lore, to the mystery. That's what makes the Joker so so scary. It's you don't know who he's going to be, what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, and all of those concepts ultimately makes it where yes, you can be telling you the truth, or he can give you be giving you a complete lie. And I think that adds to the magic of it, you know. And that's why I that's, again, that's another reason why I enjoyed Heath Ledger's performance because you know he comes back forth and he he says the whole thing, you know, how did I get these scars? And that kind of plays with it. Whereas with the movie, um, yes, he narrates the things that he's doing, but there's no guarantee what he's saying is true. But at the same time, it's it's built up as an origin movie. So even the way that it's set up is supposed to give you that. And I think that's a disservice to the character. Because, yeah, you said it perfectly. You know, Batman, he's the greatest detective. Yeah. And he can't solve this mystery of this, this egomaniacal monster who just keeps trying to poison the reservoir. And Rob Banks. And Rob Banks. <laughs> and make Joker fish. So, uh, Joker's created in 1940. The idea, is he, how different is he then as he is from now? Like, in, in the comic books. How, like, what was his motivations back then? So I would definitely say, like, oh. he, was, he was your gangster villain. Money, right? Yeah, money. Like, yeah. it was just like, hey, I'm going to steal money, I'm going to steal money. Nowadays, I think he is the clown of chaos, you yeah. know, where it's like, I, I'm, I don't care. Like, like, I think probably the Dark Knight did a good job of showing that when he lights the money on fire. He doesn't care. You know, it's like, oh, this is $2 billion? Sweet. I'm going to take a dump on it, you right. know, and he just does no longer care about money because... He's not a guy who worries about where he sleeps or eats. That's what your home's for. Mm-hmm. Remember when he was waiting for that wedding invitation? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know, so he's not going to worry about those things. So I think yes, he went from being your typical uh, Dick Tracy, scary-looking monster with a gimmick uh-huh. gangster into being you know the the clown of chaos, the, the you know all that stuff. So so if 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 he doesn't care about money, how does his henchman get paid? By getting to live. By getting to live, I mean, they because can I steal think, stuff too. I right? think he grabs you as a henchman, and you're like, oh, God, they're not necessarily henchmen. They're hostages. Oh. As, long as, you're, as long as you're following the lead, you're breathing. You're, okay. Yeah. Well, because, okay, that goes into, so again, essential reading, Batman issue 251, the Joker's five-way revenge. All right, so I think it was last week or the week prior when I was talking about, oh, they're reprinting Batman 251, those facsimile editions. That's why they picked that one because that was the that's when we got the Joker back because in the 40s and early 50s, he was. He was all about crime. And then in the late 50s and 60s and early 70s, he became censored. You know, the comics code ruled everything. So that's when the Joker would be like, I'm going to steal one of those tiny little cars that those Fez guys drive around in. <laughs> I'm chaos. You know, <laughs> he puts a banana in a crosswalk. <laughs> you know, and that was the scope of where he went. And Mario Kart was born. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it all makes sense. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, Batman 251 by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. That's when they were like, hey, let's give the Joker his scare back. And he did, and, and literally in that one, he comes up and he, he gets all his henchmen together, and he's like, "Hey boys, how you been? How's it going?" And then one guy's like, "Why should we follow you? That's great. Here, have some money and take a whiff of my flower." Acid right to the face, and this guy dies. And it's like everybody else is kind of like, "Okay, we are we, we we can't we can't scare this guy. We can't do anything to this guy. Whatever he tells us we do, we have to do it." You know, so it's like it almost makes you think like maybe go back to Batman in the animated series. Remember that one when that guy cuts off the Joker in traffic and he keeps following him and then he pulls him over and he's like, give me your driver's license. (laughs) And he's like, I'm going to remember this forever. And it's like 
yeah, that guy got to live, but he was a hostage his whole time. And that's kind of how I see the henchman of the Joker. <laughs> okay, so Silver Age comes along. Um, Julie Schwartz. Yep, Julie Schwartz. He, just like he we, we talked about many times, he, he redoes uh, The Flash. He redoes Green Lantern. You know, comes over with these. Gives us the Justice League. Gives us the Justice Society, League. Yeah. What were the changes made to the Joker? He hated the Joker. Okay. He actually hated the Joker. He didn't really care for him to be around. Um, the, the only reason the Joker survived is because of Cesar Romero. When the TV show happens, Batman 66, and Cesar Romero does his little, you know, his Joker impersonations and all that stuff, his version of the Joker, that's the only reason the Joker stayed in the comics. Uh, he was very much reduced to, like, small appearances and stuff like that. Like, I forget where somebody had a count... And I think it was like for the 60s, he might have had like maybe 20 appearances. So that's like just about two a year. It was it was really diminished. Uh, but then luckily when Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, they had a love for like the you said. So 1973 doesn't matter anymore. They're taking over. Um, so like the TV show is basically the main influencer of the Joker that we get and got to keep. So then 1985 comes along. We have a crisis on Infinite Earths. We have post-crisis DC. Uh, what happens to the Joker? So they actually had, I forget the issues of Detective, but it was, I believe it was right before year two. So it was like these three issues right before over the numbers on year two. Um, the Joker is discovering Batman and Catwoman are actually happy together. And the Joker cannot stand this. It's supposed to be me and Batman, not him and her. And so he decides to mess with it. So there's this machine that can alter people's personalities. And they're basically hoping to use this on the Joker to make him be normal. And the Joker's like, oh, no, no, no. We're going to make people crazy. They're going to be angry. They're going to be their worst selves. So he kidnaps Selina, puts her in the machine, and now she goes from being an anti-hero slash almost a good guy to now being back to the, the angry Catwoman who will almost kill you to complete a robbery. And so he destroys Batman's happiness. So to me, I kind of look at that as like, that's almost like a goodbye to the Silver Age Joker. Um, we don't see him again until Batman issue four... 407, I think, something like that, early 400s. And the next time we see him in post-crisis continuity, he is now responsible for shooting Dick Grayson during an attempt. And that's when Dick Grayson and Batman split up. Dick Grayson is no longer Robin. And then this is starting the origin of uh, Jason Todd. And so that's where he gets neglected to. And then I would say his probably, his noteworthy appearance would probably be Batman the Killing Joke. Then uh, we'll skip over Zero Hour and go straight to... Uh, Flashpoint. Flashpoint itself, we see an iteration of Joker, which is uh, actually um, Martha Wayne, because in that in the Flashpoint universe, yes, Bruce right. Wayne is killed instead of the the Waynes. Uh, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman, a grittier, deadlier version of Batman, and Martha Wayne becomes Joker. She goes she goes insane because her son dies is killed yep. brutally in, in in crime alley and uh you know she, she is now the nemesis to her husband who is batman yep both post, agents of chaos <laughs> post flashpoint we have new 52 joker new 52 joker is what i mean what what does he look like there well he becomes insane he he his face gets cut off and that's kind of the mystery in like the first issue of the Detective Night. Well, he cuts his own face, and that's what it turns out yeah. to be. It's like, oh, he oh, cut off sorry, his yeah, own yeah. face, right? And so, like, he disappears. Like, no one's going on. It's not until like the third volume when we go into uh, Death of the Family that there's that there's this beautiful scene of like it's raining, and then Batman's like, he's back. 
Uh-huh. And he goes out and he sees him and like he's wearing this like this jumpsuit. He has stapled his 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 rotting flesh of a face onto his face and he's just basically saying, I love you, Batman. We used to have so much together. Kind of going back to that homage, right? Like it's you and me together forever. So, so you're telling me that if Batman and Joker just got married, Joker would just be like, Okay, I'm done. We don't have to commit crimes anymore. Is right, it, is that have house shenanigans and maybe would have been like we can commit <laughs> crimes together. Oh. <laughs> yeah. well, it's it's kind of like that, that marriage, right? It's like, oh, I'll change you. You're not going to change me. So what? So what happens when I, I know we had it in? I want to say Batman Dark Knight Metal or Dark Knight Metal, Dark Knight's Metal, whatever it's called. Metal, metal, metal. Where uh, the Batman who laughs and and Joker meet up, and like that was the ultimate like Batman's. The, our Batman's plan is like, I'll introduce Joker to you, and oh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see so how at the that end of Dark Knight's metal. It's like Batman can't defeat the the, 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 Batman, the Batman who laughs. laughs. So he brings in the Joker, and that's the perfect balance, you know. Yeah. And I gotta say that that whole that whole series is wild. But the wildest part is that that last issue when he has like, you can't defeat me. I'm the Batman who laughs, and so I was like, I know. So I brought help, and the Joker walks in, and then Joker's like, "Can you believe it? It's you and me, bats. We're joining forces." Like, don't tell anybody about this. And then they fight him, and it's like something that shouldn't work. Something that I hate because I don't want to see Joker ever team up with anybody because there shouldn't be anything good about him, right? Right. Again, he's a bad guy. So ultimately, with that, it's kind of that idea of like, "Oh no, why? Why is this happening?" But it was still really cool to happen. Okay. So yeah, uh, we had a, we have that. So that's um, where we stopped at. We stopped at a new fifty two Batman or a new well, no, fifty two Joker. So we made it to metal, yeah, rebirth and all that. Yeah. So after rebirth, we have the Joker come back and we have metal, but we also have the storyline at the beginning of New Fifty Two, or I'm sorry, of uh, rebirth, rebirth, where Jeff Johns. <laughs> Hints at there being three Jokers. Oh, at the actually, that's at the end of New Fifty Two. Well, yeah. Well, Dark Side War. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 three Jokers. What's going to happen there? Um, and we're still waiting for that. We're still waiting on that story. I mean, we, I saw panels of it at San Diego Comic Con three years ago. I want to say uh, probably, but I have not <laughs> seen anything since. Well, no, I guess it would have been the same time I saw the panels for Doomsday Clock. So that was two years ago. Makes sense. Those things are running by. <laughs> well, you know, and so it's interesting because I feel like. I feel like I just lost the title. The Three Jokers. Uh-huh. I feel like that's going to be like a continuation of The Killing Joke. Like, I think that's going to be that sequel. I love the fact, though, that they're trying to do a character study there. Like, it's going to really be a story between Batman and the Joker, but also Barbara Garden and and, and, and Jason Todd. Yeah. And I think that's huge because have they really had their moments to deal with what's happened to them? Have they, you know, because apparently like I was reading, like Barbara did get her revenge on the Joker. Like she busted his teeth and she's like, ha ha ha, I ruined your smile. I don't know if that's the same. I don't know if that's revenge. Well, but that's you know? this, this version of Barbara wasn't confined to the wheelchair. Well, but okay. She but was that, shot, but she wasn't confined. She well, no, no, it's still, horrible. it's still the same. Yeah, no, she did. She's been healed. Like that's, that's how but the new 52 went over. Did that. they ever go say how she got healed? I'm sure they did. I didn't read the book. I think that's more of like she was in the wheelchair for that recovery time, not Maybe, I was paralyzed. Like, uh, they might have they might have shortened it, but her time as Oracle still exists. Really? Like, yeah. Like right now, like they're they're working on this huge calendar that's going to tell you all about DC lore. Uh, they're working on it. So, but I mean, as far as as the rebirth promise told us, everything that you've read does count. 
So the Birds of Prey, Batgirl, Oracle, all that stuff, that's been a part of Barbara's life. Okay. Now, like you said, though, I think you're probably right on something where it's like, hey, you know, like let's say Birds of Prey was 153 issues. Then that means Barbara Gordon spent 153 days in a wheelchair. Maybe they did something like that. So you're right. It's recovery time. But the thought process is it's still supposed to be that. Because the, the, the Batgirl that has the, the Burnside costume or whatever you want to call right. it, like she is much younger than what Oracle was. Well, but it's still, it's still Barbara. And that's the thing. Like that's a, yeah, that sliding continuity because it's kind of like, like it's almost like the thing we were talking about with Gwen Stacy. Yeah. When they brought her back, it looked like she was an adult Gwen Stacy. She should have been our Peter Parker's age. Right. But now all of a sudden it feels like she's a teenager. So you're kind of like, okay, well, yeah, she's Dr. going Manhattan to school. Strikes so, again. You know, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, you know, that's that's what that's what we're looking at probably with these blips and changes. You know? From what I understand it with Flashpoint, what ended up happening and now it's being re-brought in with Dr. Manhattan, it's that post-crisis world it it stopped existing and it was taken away from them and that's how new 52 was created it was a wilder earth prime right earth one or whatever it was a wilder crazier all of the heroes had more of an edge they were all um they were all much younger and i i think barbara was because i read the batgirl new 52 and it did say that she was in the wheelchair but she wasn't in the wheelchair for that long. So I don't think Oracle actually does exist in New 52. Oh, wow. But that's okay. New 52. Even exactly. Rebirth. Yeah, so okay. with Rebirth, I think it's... it's they combine Rebirth the two. is combining them back together after Convergence when Awesome Parallax Hal and them go out there to, to, to do stop the Animonitor, yeah. So it's it's one of those things where they're trying to put it back together. They're trying to say, like, okay, we changed it, but now we're trying to make it that it all happened at once, but it kind of layers on top of each other. So some of it does, but it's, it's loosely canon. Yeah. But I don't think Oracle right now, I don't know how much of that is canon. Because, again, I mean, we had post-crisis Superman come back to New 52 world, but then he ended up becoming the new Superman. He fused with dead Superman. So it's just a lot of stuff. Okay, so then going through, that's the continuity or timeline of the Joker, so to speak, in, in publication history. What is some of the stories that everybody loves about the Joker? Now, as I can see here on our table... Chris and Rafa both brought many versions <laughs> of the Joker and many stories. Um, one story I talked about last week when we were talking about uh, the Joker, the one where he goes through the five stages of grief almost instantaneously is Joker the Last Laugh, or Joker's Last Laugh. Uh, I think that I thought that was a really good story. We we I think we said it was the Emperor Joker one, but it well, was. no, actually you're right. It was last. It was last laugh. Emperor Joker was the different one. Yeah, because yeah, in last laugh they convince him that he's dying. Right. And it's like oh shoot, I'm gonna be dying. Well then, I better do some craziness. <laughs> and I didn't know this, but I guess Nightwing beat him to death. Like Batman actually had to resuscitate the Joker, and I was like, wow. So now that story's on my radar to read. Yeah. So you have that. Um, it's, I know someone brought um, the the man who laughs. Is that the okay? Yeah, there we go. Which is also interesting because that connects back to the origins of Joker. Jerry Robinson used the picture of what was the name of the actor? It Something was, vet. Oh God, uh, I had it up a minute ago. I so did I. It was uh, Viet Conrad Vet. Yeah, Conrad Vet, an actor who was in uh, a movie from 1928 called The Man Who Laughs. So oh, by Victor Hugo, right? Sure. I want to say it was a Victor Hugo novel. It's a horrifying oh, picture for sure. It is very much a horrifying picture. So. Yeah. It's uh, very much, I mean, it has to be an homage. I mean, even the cover of that looks like the, the gentleman they 
Oh yeah. Well, so the Batman, the Batman, the man who laughs. So it obviously takes the title from that movie. And Batman, the man who laughs, is basically a modernization of Batman number one. Yeah, uh, it's, and it's supposed to be a direct sequel, right? To year one, I believe. Well, yeah, it, it definitely would come after year one because, yeah, year one has that at the last page where he's like, yeah, there's some guy threatening to poison the reservoir. He he's left calling his calling himself car. Joker. Yeah, and so that's that play kind of like Batman Begins. Um, so anyway, so they had that little play in there. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a reimagining of Batman number one. Ed Brubaker is the writer. Doug Mankey is the artist on that one. Uh, here, like it was funny, Ralph and I were talking about, I'm not a big fan of Doug Mankey art, but here it works. Why? Because it's scary. It's yeah. twisted looking. So it's like, okay disgusting i i dig it I, I appreciate that you know like that's the first artist that like i knowingly can see the joker's gums it's like you yes. <laughs> but he does have some very good teeth yeah. um, i mean so. dental hygiene is good for everybody villain or hero <laughs> i'm right not the hard way <laughs> just throw that out there <laughs> a story that we got to read today you know because fantastic chris was able to, to give it to us what is it legends of the dark yes. number 50 all right so if we're yeah. tossing out our favorites that was fun that was a fun read that was a good read i love it yeah i remember picking this up so batman legends of the dark knight issue 50 uh this one's by denny o'neill and brett belvins uh it's got a beautiful brian boland cover uh this story I loved it. Um, you know, when I was younger and you'd go to comic shops and you'd peruse the back issues, I remember seeing this one and, you know, it was $3.95, which was a lot of money back for September 93. Um, and I'm pretty sure I either paid that much or like five bucks. So it was, it was pretty pricey being a kid. But I loved it. I read that issue backwards, forwards, every which way. And what was really neat about that one, I don't know if the, the digital copy I sent you, but in the print copy there's also a gallery in the back as yeah, well it's in there it's in okay there. yeah so yeah like howard shake and jim lee mike zek um all these other artists coming together and, and doing these wonderful pages but i just love that story because it's supposed to be you know this is the post-crisis the first time the joker and batman meet but to me the real victim in that one melvin like his character was just so sad because he's this handsome looking guy and he's dealing with his cousin and his cousin's the warped joker um and you know he, he's just getting you know like oh you know come on joker will, will you pay for my plastic surgery so i can be good looking and the joker's like yeah sure whatever you need just keep making my joker formula and then basically even to the point of like melvin has just had such a horrible life that even when they get in the car accident melvin dies the joker still screws over his cousin paints him clown white and leaves the body there but that was one of the big things that i also like because in batman the killing joke and in this legends of the dark knight issue Batman punches the body, and when that clown makeup comes off, that's right. That's how you know it's not the Joker. So if he were to hit Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, clown makeup would come off, and that wouldn't be the Joker. <laughs> just throwing that out there. But anyways, I just love that story. There's a there's a huge um, amount of nostalgia in it for me. I just thought it was great. The cover's creepy as heck with that Joker cat on there, and it was just it was one of my actually that's probably the first time I saw the Joker, and that was definitely the first time I saw him scary. And it stuck with me. So I was glad to share that with you guys. Talking about scary, one of the first times that I loved him too was in Batman R.I.P. Batman R.I.P., he's not even the main bad guy. He's just, that, that's when, you know, he's got the little diamond thing on his head. He looks like a serial killer. Oh, and he's God, basically acting like a serial killer. And this is a, towards the end of Grant Morrison's run. And so the whole point of Batman R.I.P. is this is Batman, the quintessential human example of perseverance and resiliency. And it showcases, you know, like, can I die? 
I am prepared to die and I will come back. And so, you know, the black hand, they're doing their thing. They have their whole stuff going on. The main bad guys, they're a joke. We know they're going to lose. And Joker's set up so that he can take on Batman. And ultimately, Joker, he's like, he does his own thing. He ends up killing a lot of people from the black mask themselves, <laughs> yeah. the black hand. And like they're like, why would you do this? Like, because you're not going to beat Batman. He's Batman. He's going to kill us all. Oh, he's going to beat us all up. And he starts laughing. That's the first time that I was scared of the Joker. And that was one of the times where I thought, okay, Joker is really cool. And then another time that I think of one, it's not even a Joker story, but like, um, it was a uh, Justice. Who wrote Justice? But the one with Alex oh, Ross. Oh, Alex Ross. Uh, yeah. Alex Ross and. Oh my God! I know his writer. Anyways, go ahead. I'll, I'll look it up. So, Injustice. Well, not Injustice, but the, the story Justice. One of my favorites. So it's three parts. In the third part, well, at the beginning of it, it creates the League of Villains. They're together, Legion of Doom, and they're going to take on the heroes because they say you're making us weak. We got to save everybody. So they join forces to stop the the good guys. And for the most part, it's working. Joker is not invited on this plan. Joker is looked at as like, no, you're too crazy. We're not going to invite you. <laughs> and like, it, I think it's a plan kind of put together by Lex and Riddler. And so there's a part where a lot of them are escaping Arkham and Joker's like, I want to play. They're like, no, you're not invited. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. And so in the third volume towards the end, what ends up happening is for some reason, Joker escapes on his own. He's doing his own side thing and he's dressed up as a vampire. Mm-hmm. All right. And there's a scene where Scarecrow, like they're losing, right? The heroes have gotten together. They're triumphant. The bad guys are being done away with and Scarecrow's running like in the sewers and then Joker's there and he's in a vampire costume (laughs) and he's like he's like I'm here for the party and he's like Joker what are you doing it's like we're supposed to be it's like yeah I know we're super friends and then he just bites he just bites (laughs) Scarecrow and you can see like it indents in him and like the fake teeth come out and then Joker's just back in Arkham the next day and he's like he sees Nygma being brought in and he's like hey I have a party. You're all invited to this. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, again, chaos. He's not there to help the good guys or the bad guys. He's just causing mayhem. And that's when I knew, okay, Joker's Joker's crazy. Uh, Jim Kruger was the writer of that one. Jim Kruger. Sam, do you have a particular story that you love to think about when you think of the Joker? Nah, not really because, I'm, again, I'm not... I'm not a huge DC fan. I'm, I'm really here just to listen to you guys. Well, enjoy you guys. So then, but even then, like, what about like movies or animation? Yeah, so the movies and the animated animated versions of the Joker, which one is your favorite? Okay, so I was too old for the... Well, I don't want to say I was too old for the animated stuff because I still watch animated series. And, and, and the more I hear you guys talk about things like Batman, the animated series, and, and how great that was, I want to go back and watch it. But right now, I'm in the middle of watching Andromeda. That's another talk topic anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say... Um, uh, okay, so the 1989 Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman, uh, that was a, that was probably one of my favorite Jokers, uh, mainly because it was the first m- big screen movie uh, production of him. I uh, grew up watching Cesar Romero's Joker, um, but I mean, all that was all camp. All that was was meant to be played out for, uh, um, I mean, ridiculousness. I mean, yeah. you know, um, I really enjoyed uh, Heath Ledger's Batman, you know, and. Um, I hate to say this, and you guys can choke me out later on if you want. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the, the idea of Jared Leto's Joker. Really? But he did not have enough screen time. I, I think that that, that character, the, the lunatic Joker, because to me that, that Joker goes back to the books, to, to some of the books that I read. And um, I had a book, I can't remember the name of it, um, I want to say it was called Joker Inc. or Jocularity or just the Joker. And it was a bunch of short stories about the Joker. And um, that Joker was a madman. And, and, and to me, that seemed like the character that Jared Leto's Joker 
could have been, should have been, and maybe still can be if they keep on going with these uh, uh, Suicide Squad movies. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're entitled. I mean, there were parts about Jared Leto's Joker that I liked myself. I like that that mobster, you know, younger Joker. I mean, it's it's an iteration. Some people will like it. Some people won't. I just felt it was a little bit too much of a hammy performance, personally. But yeah. there are parts that I did enjoy. So, I mean, I see what you're trying to say. It kind of it felt like too I edgy think, for edgy's sake. Yes, I think, that, yes, I think that that character, if, if that Joker, if, if that Joker would have had uh, a little more background thrown at him, I, I don't know. I think the problem that the problem I had with that Joker, Jared Leto's Joker, and I didn't really want to get into. I didn't want to just put you down. I love that yeah, that fact that you like that Joker. That's that's perfect. You have the scene where he's, uh, you know, he's he's about to do the electric shock therapy to Harley. He doesn't have a shirt on. To me, that's not Joker. Yeah. The tattoos all over his face, the tattoos on his hands, that's not Joker. Mobster Joker, sure, I can get behind that. Joker that that uh, talks to the illustrated man or the tattooed man. I'm sorry, and says like, "You can have my girlfriend." And then the minute the the guy's like, "Okay, I'll, I'll dig on your chick." Beats the crap out of him. That's Joker. Yeah. I get it. There are things in there that are definitely Joker from the comic books. There are just too many other things that I'm just like that. The Joker I've read would never do. Right. So, and there was and a theory in there right when the movie was coming out. People were talking about how he's oh, Jason Todd. Jason Todd. And I like that idea. I don't. Okay, I, so, I did. So you talked about like you don't like the um the, the with the tattoos and everything. Okay. So Chris brought up uh Jer- I mean um Heath Ledger's Joker being the uh, the hot topic Joker. Okay. So. Jerry Leto's Joker might have been the hip hop Joker, you know. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's a possibility. I was it's, thinking it's about definitely a scene. different, different, different looks. It's different production designs of yeah. of the same character. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and going back to uh, uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker. You know, there's a scene in that movie where you guys described. You guys were talking about how. Um, they had a bunch of gangsters, you know, all together. And the one he was asking, well, why should we follow you? You know, well, they, they kind of did that. Something similar to that, you know, after, um, after they killed uh, Jack Palance's character, what I can't remember. He, he was his, yeah. His also boss. Boss Grissom. Yeah, yeah. Boss, yeah, Grissom. yeah. boss Grissom. Okay. So they killed boss Grissom and then Joker's sitting there with a bunch of bosses, you know, and he's like, okay, so we're going to do things this way and that way and the other way. And then one guy goes, why should we call you? Or why should we, uh, why should we follow you? And he's like, uh, he says, uh, well, let's let's shake on it, mm-hmm. and then and then and then the, the killer buzzer, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a crazy Joker too, you know. No, Jack Nicholson did a great job. I mean, that was a Joker that I, I recognized from the comic books. Yeah. It's just go ahead. All right. We watched Chris and I recently watched um, the oh, original the, the original Shining. Okay? okay, and and both of us agreed Jack Nicholson in '89 was a good Joker, but he was an older Joker. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, yeah. if you could have got 1981 uh, Jack Nicholson Jack Nicholson from The Shining and put that age Jack Nicholson in the 89 Batman. That's only eight years later. I know, but, but the difference for in physique. Reason, the, yes, uh, exactly. The difference, the difference in, physique, in physique. Like, you know, he was heavier. I mean, if you would have went with. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Jack. Oh yeah, well that would have been great too. Would have been great. Yeah, well, I guess that, that's the thing. Like that's the thing that I've always been sad about with what we what we have with the Joker. Like one thing I love about Batman and Joker issues when they're in the comics, they have wonderful fight scenes. I mean, wonderful stuff. Like amazing things happen. Like the the flower turns out to be a weapon. You know, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? You yeah, know, right. we've seen those goofy things happen with the comic book versions. And Batman eighty nine did a great job of homaging that. 
But it's just Jack Nicholson was too old for the part. Mm. So that way it's a bummer. Plus, Michael Keaton's bat suit, you know, like, hold on. <laughs> let me shift my whole upper torso so oh, I can look me, at it. There's you. a lot of things you wrong know. with Nights of Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, they weren't there yet. They weren't there yet. They weren't and, there yet. You know, yeah. so then the next time we see the Batman in cinema, like, I remember that they had that image of Heath Ledger, and I guess he was behind a screen, so all you could really see was It's the opaque physique. glass yeah. at yeah. the bank, and he's about to walk out from behind Yeah, it. and, like, I was excited because I was like, okay, Heath Ledger's a younger, thinner guy. Christian Bale's a younger, thinner guy. We might see it, and we did. The Batman-Joker fights, those were cool, but that Joker, again, like, with the scars and the fact that it wasn't genuine, it was just something he painted onto his face, okay, fine, I get it. Nolan's grounded, the Nolan versus Batman. Okay, Still cool, but it's still not that like you're saying. I want to see that classic one, you know. Yeah, but what's it's there? not so far removed. Well, it's not, know? but it's it's it is removed enough, you know. And then like when it comes to Jared Leto, I was like, oh, again, another great actor. I'm excited, uh, you know. But then once they started putting all the tats on there and the grill, I was just like, yeah, whatever. That's this is just shock value, Joker. <laughs> and then now you got Heath Ledger, and it's like, all right, cool. You know, we got, or sorry, yeah, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. So it's like, I guess, like, obviously, am I picky about it? Sure, yeah. That's that's my that's my fan. That's my inner fan right there. Um, but yeah, I just I keep hoping to see that you know these these two dudes having that crazy brawl someday, and it's come close, but I just haven't seen it in my mind's eye. And uh, the, I guess the story that really sticks out for me. At, uh, as I said earlier, the the last laugh or Joker's last laugh, and then Joker Emperor Joker, which was not so much a story as it was a crossover event. But you know, to me, that was a lot of interesting ideas with Joker. Like, yeah. what do you do when you give a lunatic, a self-described lunatic, you know, the power of a god, and yeah. that's what happens. So, uh, any last any last issues that you want to? get out there for listeners any last thoughts about joker that you want to get out there for listeners anybody uh well something i want to throw out there so if you get a chance this is a it's an often missed gem um batman issues 450 and 451 written by marv wolfman and art by jim aparo and this one's great because this is the first time we see the joker after um a death in the family so in the death of the family it ends with the explosion and batman screaming at superman find the body find the body and they never do um and so with this, these two issues, the Joker is actually scared. Like, he's like, I can't do it. I can't be this. And somebody else is running around acting like the Joker. And you can even see on the cover of the news, news articles, you know, uh, Joker murders, unfunny, hanging judge, hanged by Joker. Like, they're too obvious of a gimmick. It's not the Joker. So he's starting to have an insanity panic attack. Like, am I not, am I doing these crimes and they're not funny? Am I losing my touch? So essentially, it's the Joker regaining his confidence. But the reason why I love this one is because it's kind of, it's the Joker processing what's happened to him in A Killing Joke and A Death in the Family. Uh, and then Jim Aparo, one of my favorite Batman artists, this is a great moment for him to recreate some of those amazing moments that come from the comics themselves. So I think it's just fantastic stuff. So definitely search those two out They're Probably, I mean, they're dollar, they were a dollar when they came out. So you shouldn't be having to pay too much if you want to actually own them. Yeah, those are great. And if you want something more modern also, I would recommend whether you're someone that wants to collect the graphic novels, you want to go to Barnes & Nobles, or it's also available on DC Universe. Um, newer Batman, I would recommend New 52. A lot of people can argue New 52 wasn't that good. Regardless, Batman was still really great. I do yeah. recommend Volume 3, Death of the Family, if you want that spooky Halloween Joker, some yeah. real creepiness. And then I would follow it up with Endgame. I thought Endgame was pretty good, but I think those are some good ones too. Yeah, no, Scott Snyder, he, he writes a hell of a Joker. 
He did some great stuff with it. And plus, great cop blue art. Like, I mean, that's yeah. the guy who can draw the Joker. Yeah, we got the creep factor. And then go watch the animated series. It's it's yeah, timeless Mark if Hamill. you have DC Universe. Mark, whenever you read, like for me personally, when I read these comic books, that's oh, yeah. the Joker that I hear. That's the mind. voice I hear. Mark Hamill's. Mark yeah. Hamill's Joker, yeah. yeah. If you're more of a video game person, voice, you know, man. play the Arkham series. That's Mark Hamill there. Yep. That's the voice that you build. That's the craziness that we want. Sam, last thoughts on, on Joker? He's insane. He's insane. That's it, no. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's no, it's I nailing mean, Jello I, I, I to mean the that wall. Jokingly, but I also mean that. Yeah, exactly. You can't. You're never gonna. You're never gonna put him in a box. You're never gonna catch him. And you shouldn't. Yeah. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't. So, uh, yeah. If you have any opinions on Joker, the movie, the comic book, the character, how dumb we all are for not liking the movie, uh, <laughs> we want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> Get a hold of me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GEM. Find uh, Chris online also on Twitter at Stuff I Should Say Should Being Spelled S H U D. Check out his writing at Oh, and you can check out my reviews on Adventures in Poor Taste. And Rafa can be found on Twitter at Mobile Rafi, your entertainment on the go. Also, check out his videos at YouTube, also at Mobile Rafi, all kinds of good stuff. And this past weekend, we were at uh, YumaCon Yuma 2019. Surprised there weren't a lot of Joker cosplayers, uh, which was very interesting. About too. Right? But, um, you know, we post videos, and if you guys want to get an idea of what the con looks like, go check it out. And Sam, do you have yourself a Twitter now? Dude, I've had a Twitter. I just, I completely forgot <laughs> about it. Uh, it is, uh, it's just Sam Cervantes. It's Sam I am 7041. 7041. Yeah. There you go. If you want to hear the rest of uh, Geek Elite Media on Twitter, it's at Geek Elite Media, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekeliteMedia.com. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. <laughs> this concludes our broadcast. <laughs>